You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1181 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Today's show breakdown became a very, very good win for the Hawks at home over the Cavs by a final score of 124 to 116 in the final game at home before the All-Star break arrives. Hawks do have one more game on the road on Wednesday, but this is a game the Hawks needed to win. And they went out and did it. They had lost five of the last seven games, and the vibes were not great around this team, but Offensively, it was really brilliant the entire night for Atlanta. Trey Young, Gallinari, all kinds of awesome performances from the Hawks on offense. And the defense wasn't flawless by any means, but they were better in the second half. After digging sort of a hole early on, they were able to sort of uh, do it just enough on defense in a game that was really back and forth the entire way. Neither team led by more than nine points the entire game, so it was pretty closely fought, kind of a coin flip along the way, but the Hawks did uh, enough to get the victory in this game, and again, the vibes are uh, very much better than they were a couple of days ago as a result of that victory. So we'll dive into the game now, as we always do on the podcast, but first some pregame context. A slight rest advantage for the Cavs, actually, in this game, although they had to travel. They played on Saturday, the Hawks played on Sunday. Um, no Laurie Markkinen for Cleveland in this game. And, of course, no John Collins for Atlanta, which is, uh, I would say, an advantage for Cleveland to swap those guys out for each other. Um, a couple guys on the injury report for the Hawks in this game. Bogdanovich with left ankle soreness and DeLon Wright with left groin tension were listed as questionable. Ended up playing and playing well in this game. So the Hawks only really missed one guy. And as a result of that, they played their typical nine-man group basically for the last, I don't know, month plus. They've only played those ten guys. And uh, if they can get away with playing only nine of them, if somebody is hurt, that's what they've done. That was the case in this game as well. Our friends at Bet Online made actually a very interesting point spread in terms of the betting market in this game. I won't go too crazy on this, but the Hawks overnight on Tuesday, and I did the podcast previewing the game with some mailback stuff, by the way, which is still available and still relevant on the podcast feed. But on Tuesday evening, I rec- sorry, Monday evening, I recorded a sort of a, a last segment on that podcast about a preview of this game, and the Hawks were one and a half point underdogs at that point at Bet Online. By the time the game tipped off, the Hawks were two and a half point favorites, and not a whole lot changed. Um, other than McDonavich and Wright, who were questionable, they, those guys ended up playing, but with all due respect to Bogey and DeLon, they don't probably move a line four points. So I'm not sure if there was just a, a flood of money on the Hawks or whatever was happening there, but by the time this game tipped off, the Hawks were two and a half point favorites. People were kind of asking me why they were favored, because Cleveland, of course, has been much better than Atlanta this season on the whole, and that is definitely true, but... Goes back to what I've been saying for a while. The Vegas uh, wise guys, smart guys out there, definitely think the Hawks are better than this uh, in terms of their record so far. Plus, Cleveland had to go on the road. Home court's definitely valuable and all that stuff. The Hawks had split with the Cavs early in the season. So, long story short, the Hawks were small favorites, but in my mind, I viewed this as kind of a coin flip game coming in, and uh, that ended up being, I think, kind of prescient if you watched this game and kind of went through the game flow of what transpired. To the beginning of the game itself, Defensively, a pretty interesting matchup for the Hawks because without Collins, they have to play small a lot more than they usually do. But they started fairly big with Gallinari at the four, but it was Kevin Herter on Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter on, on Isaac Okoro, Trey Young hiding on Dean Wade, who's like 6'9", kind of an interesting matchup there, and then Gallinari trying to guard Evan Mobley. And people were asking me why Hunter was not guarding Darius Garland. Um, I understand the question because Hunter is their best guy on guards, and Garland is by far Cleveland's best player on the perimeter, but... 
I'll just say this. This is my guess. There was no direct answer on this. But I think that because Nate knows that Hunter is also the backup four, has to play a ton of minutes, having him be the primary on Darius Garland is going to be kind of a tough ask. And then it kind of pushes everybody else down. Uh, you're already playing small in some respects with Trey Garden, Dean Wade, etc. So I thought Herter obviously gave up a lot against Darius Garland because Darius Garland's awesome. That's a road tough matchup for him, but um, I can also see kind of both sides of that. I would have probably tried Hunter on Garland at some point, but um, you know I, I was okay with, with the original plan in this spot. And it's not it's one of those times when uh, you, maybe you want to scheme more around like having Delon Wright play more minutes, etc. Because Garland is a tough ask for anybody to, to defend, much less someone like Herter who's just okay on defense more than a, a high a sort of upper echelon player on defense. Regardless, though, the pace is really good early on in this game. Um, offensively, and it kind of continued the entire game. Honestly, it was kind of, you know, both teams throwing haymakers throughout this contest. And it started out with Trey Young and Darius Garland going, not one-on-one by any means, but they were the two uh, headliners at the beginning of this game and really the entire way through. Trey had 12 of the first 21 points for the Hawks. Garland had 10 of the first 15 for Cleveland. And the Hawks set a tone early on that they they were going to have it on offense in this game. They scored 21 points on the first 12 possessions. That, if you do the math on that, that is uh, obviously quite positive. Um, the Hawks were 8 of 11 from the floor with only one turnover in the at the outset. Defensively, it wasn't great, but they were still up by 5 because of that. Um, Capella then blocked two shots in a row on, on uh, back-to-back possessions. That was kind of a nice little uh, swing for Capella on defense. Rotationally, it was pretty much the same as it's been for a while. They did go to Bogdanovich as the first sub for Gallinari, pushing Hunter to the 4. And for 48 minutes in this game, they played either Hunter or Gallinari at the 4 which makes sense, but um, I thought there might be an, an opening if they wanted to go a little bit bigger, if they wanted to play the two bigs, or if they wanted to play uh, you know, Kevin Knox or whatever you want to say there, but they stuck with the nine guys that Nate trusts and that ended up working out in this game. They also played a full bench unit with Gallinari at the four. He was kind of the bridge guy in this game with the way that it was going. Um, rebounding was a question at times, especially when you were playing a Kong Wu with Gallinari at the four or a Kong Wu with Hunter and three guards around those guys. That's tough for all those guys to be asked to do that on defense and also on the glass, but it worked out all right. There was some interesting uh, matchups throughout this game also. Lou Williams and Rajon Rondo playing against each other was kind of ironic for Hawks fans as they were traded for each other last season. Also, Brandon Goodwin did not play in this game, but an old friend, and uh, he was around too. There was a brief tribute to Rondo and Goodwin on the scoreboard as they returned to Atlanta. But the Cavs had an 8-0 run um, halfway through the first quarter. Um, the Hawks kind of just kind of left Kevin Love alone twice in a row. In fact, Kevin Love... He's having a really good year, by the way, off the bench for Cleveland. Had 11 points in his first four minutes for the Cavs, and the Cavs were red hot from three in the first quarter. Um, the Cavs led by four late in the first quarter until Lou had a great pass, actually, to a Kongwu, who was sort of streaking to the basket for a nice layup, and the Hawks went down by two at the end of the first quarter. But the Cavs were eight of 12 from three in the first period. So that kind of tells you why that they were leading at the outset, despite the Hawks um, being very, very good on offense. And then the Hawks came out of the gate in the second quarter with a very strong run, a 10-1 to push by Atlanta to go up by seven points. They had some success defensively forcing Rondo and Chetty Osman into some, uh, I would say, shaky jump shots. Bogey had a nice stretch as well, had a jump shot, had a steal, and then found a Kongu for a dunk. They kind of had the same rotation uh, throughout that, uh, that, that period of time, and they kind of brought the starters back with about seven minutes to go. Um, Gallo back about five minutes to go with the full group there, and they closed with, us, with the starters. Um, Bogdanovich did have, did have two pretty bad turnovers in a row. He was pretty good in this game, but that was kind of the one hiccup along the way. 
and that kind of led to a 12-2 run by the Cavs to go from Hawks up 7 to down by 3, and that was kind of the bridge between the bench and the starters at that point in time. The Hawks then had a nice stretch at the end of the first half to go from down 3 to up 8. So, like I said before, it was a lot of back and forth, not like massive runs, but it was like a lot of like, you know, Hawks going from up 5 to down 5, basically, a few different times in this game. Before halftime, the offense was brilliant, as it was the entire game, to be honest with you. The Hawks had a 137 offensive rating in the first half against, again, a very, very good Cavs defense normally. The Hawks shot 71% from two-point range in the first half, 15 assists, um, 38 points in the paint. That's a ton for this Hawks team. Trey had 23 in the first half. Gallo had 15 points in the first half, only his second 15-point half of any kind this year. And, of course, he ended up having a season high in this game as well. Uh, defensively, it was not all that great, to be honest with you. In fact, it was much better after halftime. But if you go just, if you kind of just sort out and start start the game, quote unquote, at the end of the first quarter, the defense looks a lot better. The first quarter was really rough, um, but even then, it wasn't fantastic. Garland, Garland, eleven thirty-two points combined in the first half, and the Cavs hit ten threes. But with all that said, the offense was good enough. And honestly, if you look at it this way, the the first half was pretty similar. To the second half. It wasn't quite as offensively charged, but basically all the same properties kind of carried over from the first half of the second half with the Hawks flying high on offense, struggling on defense, and doing just enough to uh, hold on to the victory at home. But we'll get into all of that and much more in terms of a look ahead to Wednesday, etc. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show, and the first of which is Prize Picks. NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is super easy to use. You pick two to five players and an overrun on their projections. You can win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. And entries can be made in under a minute or less. It's just that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals if you use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. There are a variety of options at Prize Picks as well. They offer props on anything that you can think of from points to rebounds, even steals. And they even have mixed sports entries when you go across sports. If you're not just an NBA fan like I am, uh, I kind of cross over to all kinds of sports, and you can do that at Prize Picks as well. They have college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and much more. For a limited time, all users at Prize Picks can take advantage of an exclusive no-brainer of an offer. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you have to use the promo code NBA. That's right, this is an exclusive offer available for locked on fans. Sign up today, use the promo code NBA, $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, after halftime, it was kind of more of the same in some respects. The Cavs had their First big run, a 12-1 to push early in the third quarter. Gallinari got a flagrant one for actually colliding with Mobley's face. Um, didn't seem intentional by any means, but he was whistled for that. It's one of those things that just kind of happens in the NBA. Um, but then Gallo and Trey hit back-to-back threes to kind of stop that onslaught from Cleveland. A pretty ridiculous off uh, sort of offensive foul call on Gallinari early in the third quarter when he was called for this, I guess, I guess it was kind of an arm bar or whatever. That was a ridiculous call. <laughs> there were a few bad calls in this game. On both sides, I'll say that it wasn't just only against the Hawks, but uh, some pretty shaky officiating throughout this one. I kind of couldn't believe that one in real time, though. Um, the Hawks, though, had a 13-2 run right back. Again, more of the same as, as the first half, but just the two teams exchanging pushes back and forth and counterpunches, etc. Um, neither team had led by more than seven at that point, which kind of tells you how close it was throughout. Hunter had some nice aggressive takes to the rim at one point. 
couple good drives and finishes to uh, kind of push the Cavs into a timeout. He made his first five shots from two-point range, pretty pretty decisive in this game in a way that he hasn't been, and not a whole lot of like settling for too many mid-rangers that are contested. That's a good sign for DeAndre. Uh, Gallo had a season high in the third quarter. Um, 21 points from, that, from him at that point in time. His previous season high was 20, so he had it going in a big way. The Hawks led by as many as eight late in the quarter before leading by four at the end of the third. Trey had 35 points. Eight assists for three quarters. The Cavs did finally cool off, though. They were four of 19 from three in the second and third quarters, which kind of explained how the Hawks, at least in part, were able to get some more stops than they had been before that. Um, in the fourth, it really was a lot of back and forth again. The Hawks, I believe, ended up leading the entire fourth quarter, but it was pretty close a few different times. Um, the first trip of the, of the fourth quarter actually was nice some ball movement from the Hawks to create a Badanovich three. Um, but they had an opportunity a few minutes later where the Hawks had three offensive rebounds in the same possession and did not score a point. That was kind of brutal. And the Cavs got it within one at 99-98. But then the Hawks got four consecutive stops defensively at a very nice time. They didn't have a whole lot of defensive success before that, but that was a very good stretch of defense from the second unit early in the fourth quarter. The offense kind of wasn't great, honestly. I sat. I thought Trey sat for too long, given how good he had been and how little minutes he had played. Not that he hadn't played, not at all, but 28 minutes for three quarters. He could have came in a little bit earlier in the fourth than I thought than, than he actually did. Um, he sat for five full minutes. That's probably a little bit too much, but. At the same time, the bench was plus one in that five point in that five minute stretch, which is probably all you needed to have them do at that stage. And then Trey was fresher when he came back in. Um, they ran with Herter, Young, Bogdanovich, Hunter, and Akongwu for about 45 seconds, and they brought Capella in from there um, in place of Akongwu. They didn't close with Gallinari, who had been fantastic, but he sat for most of the crunch time. They went with the defensive better lineup and also a little bit more flexibility with Hunter at the four and the three guards. Um, not that you know any, that's great defensively by any means, but they tried that a little bit more and went away from Gallo, I think, for, for match, matchup reasons. But the Hawks took advantage. I think it was a pretty big swing. The Cavs broke down twice in a row on defense. They allowed Trey Young to hit a pretty rare catch-and-shoot corner three, but he was just wide open for. Um, it was also right in front of the, of the Cavs bench, and he pretty clearly exchanged some pleasantries with Brandon Goodwin, who was uh, not playing but was on the bench right in front of him. That was kind of a funny moment. And then on the next possession... The Cavs just left DeAndre Hunter at the top of the key by himself. He made a three, and the Hawks went by nine points with about five minutes to go. That was a big stretch. It was not over at that stage. The Cavs were still very much alive because after a timeout, they had some really rough moments. They actually gave up a three right away. Then Trey missed a uh, pretty tough drive and finish, and then they gave up an easy bucket to Jared Allen. So a 5-0 run, something the lead that was comfortable at nine was down to four, and then Trey got fouled and split free throws in a way that he doesn't usually do. But then Garland, down by five, gets to the rim, kind of throws this, like, errant pass. He had Jared Allen for a dunk. It just didn't find him, didn't either deliver it or see him. Turns it over, comes down, and Bogdanovich, in kind of a throwback to last season when he was just really feeling it, took a, you know, dribble up, step it, step up, pull up jump shot from three-point range, buries it, and that kind of gets away with uh, the Hawks having that little hiccup, all I would say, overall. Because they only lost that stretch by one point, and they were up by nine. So that ended up being huge. Probably the biggest shot of the night to that point overall. And no hesitation at all from Bogey, which is good to see. The Hawks were then up by six with like 3.15 to go at that stage. They called timeout again. Had some chances. There was a, you know, Hunter missed kind of a tough, I don't know, 12-footer or so. But then a big swing again in favor of Atlanta. The Cavs had the ball down six. Had a pretty good look from three that would cut the lead to three. 
They missed it, and then Herter made one in the corner, and the Hawks were up by nine again. Capella had a really an awesome pass to Herter on that play um, to set it up, but that was a huge swing, six-point swing, and honestly, the Hawks were never really challenged from there. It wasn't totally over. Garland hit a three, actually, but it took him a while to do that, and then the Hawks, uh, Trey actually hit kind of a circus floater to go up by eight. Um, there was a challenge in the final minute and a half that the Hawks won. Kind of an auto challenge by Nate because it was, you know, not that it was a clear overturn, and ended up being an overturn, but at that, at that point, if you still have your challenge and it's a close play and you're up by, you know, eight points, it's time to use it. They did that, ended up winning it, and it was, I thought it was over when that call was made, honestly, and then they they scored on a Gallo dunk pretty quickly after that, and that was really the official end to the game. So the Hawks, yeah, led the entire fourth quarter. There, it was it was down to one at, 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 at least once, maybe not, maybe twice, maybe three times, something like that. But it was definitely narrow a few different times. But the Hawks were never actually over overcome in that fourth period, and really, they executed pretty well. There were a couple of hiccups along the way, but they made a bunch of big shots. And honestly, I can go up and down, up and down the roster. Pretty much every one of their key guys had a moment in the fourth quarter between Hunter making a, that open three, Trey doing Trey stuff, Bogey hitting that pull-up three, her hitting a corner three, Capella had a couple big rebounds. Um, they just kind of had a balanced effort, and it was pretty uh, nice to see everybody contribute to that win. As, as far as takeaways are concerned from the big picture of this game, I got to say, this is an unbelievably good offensive performance. And I'm not someone who just heaps tons of praise for no reason. I try to give you guys context and kind of be level-headed here. But really, it was an awesome, awesome offensive performance from really the entire team. So they scored about 1.35 points per possession in this game. And again, this is against a top-five defense in Cleveland. I kind of think that Cleveland isn't quite that good on defense, but the numbers are what they are through like 60 games. They've been really, really good defensively, and the Hawks took advantage of them. Uh, in a big way throughout this game. They shot well from the floor, 54%, 42% from three, um, over 60% from two in this game, 24 of 27 at the free throw line. That's both uh, impressive on the attempts and the accuracy. 25 assists and 11 turnovers. That's more than two to one. That's all you want to do if you are the Hawks. A 30% offensive rebound rate is very, very good as well. 52 points in the paint, 16 fast break points. Those are both very above average from the Hawks this year. So basically, you can't really find anything in the numbers that would tell you that the Hawks fell short on offense in this game. And it was kind of a slow pace in terms of like the tempo of the game, how many possessions there were. But I'll say this. The Hawks only, I, I want to I say only with quotes, but they quote-unquote only tied for ninth in terms of their raw point total in this game um, for the season. So a top 10 game for the Hawks. But if you go from a per-possession basis and also adjust for who they were playing against, this was probably one of the three best offensive performances of the season for the Hawks. That's how good they were in this game. You know, And, and it, we'll get into individual stuff in a second, but truly, they kind of needed it all. Obviously, this is a very competitive game, and defensively there were some issues, but the offense sort of backs against the wall. Not a must-win by any means, but a game that they probably needed to get for sure going into the All-Star break and a winnable spot for Atlanta. They executed very well, made a bunch of shots, uh, and it wasn't only that. They passed well, uh, they rebounded well, they did all the little things in this game on offense, and it worked out very well in their favor. So uh, I would say file that one away if you were looking for some potential um, highlights for the team on offense. This is a great night at the office for them. Defensively, it was less great, let's just say. They allowed about 126 or so in terms of the defensive rating. That is not good. I will say I thought that they were better than the numbers on defense. I will tell you, and I have told you several times this year, that the Hawks have been terrible on defense at different times. This is a game where I thought they were just like kind of below average, maybe even 
trending toward average. Um, and the Cavs just made some shots. Um, that's not me saying that the Hawks were good on defense because they weren't. But even Nate, who is notoriously kind of fickle in handing out defensive praise, he seemed to be pretty fine with the with the defense in this game. I'm not sure if he'll say, if he'll have that feeling if you if you after he watches the film. But still, they did enough on defense in this game. Um, they lost the glass at different times. They played some lamps that I think are pretty much no hope lamps on the on, on the glass when you're playing a Kongwu with Gallinari and three guards or you're playing a Kongwu and Hunter in three guards, you're just not going to rebound very well in those groups, and that kind of contributed to it a little bit. But um, the Cavs only shot 8 of 29 from three after the first quarter, uh, and they were probably unseasonably hot <laughs> in that first period. So a little bit of that a little bit from there. The Hawks also created more than double the attempts at the free throw line, and that's uh, both a credit to the Hawks getting to the line, also preventing the Cavs from getting to the line. That's, a sm- that's not a small thing. Keeping your opponent off the line is a big thing, for efficiency, and the Hawks did a good job on that. That's what nine steals, and those live ball turnovers are huge for any team, but especially for the Hawks, who don't do a ton of that. They're actually way below average, like bottom five or six in the league, in creating live ball turnovers, and they did a little bit of that to kind of boost their efficiency overall. So, again, definitely an offense first game, an offense-laden game. The Hawks had to have all of that explosives on offense to win this game, but I think defensively, they were not a disaster, and they that was kind of all they had to be because the offense was so good in this one. Okay, before we get into the player evaluations and a look ahead to the Wednesday, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, first half finale in Orlando, a word from our sponsors on the show, and the first of which is Ben Online. Football season is now over, unfortunately, for those of us that enjoy that sport, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. With all of that said, we get the latest odds, totals, player props, where the next coach might be landing, everything else that you might find in the betting space, you can find it at betonline.net. It's the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball either. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and even the next odds on Olympic coverage and all of the information for that space. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and the player evaluations are here from this contest, and you might imagine it was pretty positive on the whole for Atlanta and what became a nice win. So we'll start with the bench, as we often do. I thought Lou Williams was pretty solid in this game by his standards. He had four points only, but only on two shots. Played a little bit more than I would have played him in the second half. As I mentioned before, they kind of rode, him, rode with Trey on the bench for a little bit too long in my mind, but had two, had two assists, one turnover, plus three, did his job in this game. Had a couple nice moments, a couple nice passes as well. There was one great feed to a Kongwu um, for a layup that was uh, kind of created by a good look by by Lou, I should say. Um, elsewhere on the bench, Kongwu himself, uh, eight points, three rebounds, had a block shot, plus six, three or four from the floor, two or two from the free throw line. He got a pretty bad whistle in this game. Uh, I think maybe between Gallinari and Kongwu, they kind of took, took over from John Collins and getting uh, the wrong side of the whistle in this game. But he played through it. I thought he played well. It was interesting to see him match up with Evan Mobley as a battle of USC lottery pick big men in back-to-back seasons. I thought Kongwu looked just fine in that matchup and played generally well. Um, so we'll leave that there for now. Uh, DeLon Wright, I, I will say it was a very on-brand DeLon Wright game in the best possible way. He didn't score. He was 0-2 from the floor, but had seven rebounds to tie for the for the uh, team high. Four assists in 17 minutes. That's obviously very good as well. Had a steal. Had at least four or five deflections. He was just all over the place on defense, as he often is. But I say this all the time. It was just very much a DeLon Wright game. I think he was a genuine positive despite not scoring, which is just a, a very DeLon Wright thing to have happen. So 
I do understand why Nate didn't play him more, even though I think he would have helped on Garland in particular. But I think Nate, I think, correctly chose to just ride the offense and have that be how they were going to win this one. Um, DeLon would have helped the defense, but even I, as an enthusiast of DeLon Wright, will tell you that he's not quite as good on offense as, like, McDonavich or Herter. So there you go on that. But I thought he was a, a nice uh, day at the office for DeLon. And then Bogey was good in this game. Ten points, seven rebounds, four steals. I believe that's a career high, or at least a tie of a career high. McDonavich, three assists. He was plus six. He wasn't shot hunting too much. He had the one um, impressive pull-up that was a big, big shot in the fourth quarter, but only eight shot attempts for Bogey in 29 minutes. It's actually less than you might think if you watch this game even. I was surprised about how little that was, but I think he plays better defense in recent days. It wasn't fantastic, but certainly a little bit better than he's been. And I think he's playing with more swagger, more juice. You know, there's that everlasting debate now whether he should start or not. I think they should just leave him where he is. I think he's playing very well off the bench, and Herter's results as a starter have been very good as well. But we'll save that for later. But I think Bogey had a nice game at the office, and all four guys on the bench did their jobs in this game. To the starters, uh, Herter had the quietest night, I think, probably overall. But 13 points, three assists, had a steal and a block, too. He was pretty active there. Two rebounds. Four away from the floor, three of five from three, two of two from the free throw line. He did miss one or two. Uh, I think maybe both of his missed threes were wide open shots, but it was kind of funny in the middle of this game. People were kind of getting frustrated by Herder missing open threes, but I look up and it's like, he's three of five from three in the game. Um, I thought he played well. Uh, defensively, though, it was bad at times. I will say it's impossible for most people to guard Darius Garland, so there's kind of a curve there. He didn't do great on Garland, don't get me wrong, but I think that's a tough matchup for most guys in the league, so I will give him a pass to some extent on that. He probably had some bad moments along the way for sure, but I think Herter was just fine. Uh, made three threes, that was uh, definitely needed in this game, and the results with him on the floor were just were just fine and solid. Uh, Capella also was kind of quiet in the, in the uh, stat sheet. Five points, seven rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and 31 minutes, um, two of five from the floor, one of two from the free throw line. So not a like robust Capella game, but I think defensively and especially rebound, rebounding wise, his box outs were clean, were clean in this game. Um, he, he had a lot of good, good tests along the way as well. It was just an okay Capella game, but I think it was still a positive when he was out there defensively. Uh, I, I remain baffled by the people that don't think that he's good at basketball. <laughs> I do understand some of the uh, frustrations, to be sure. And uh, he had some interesting comments, by the way, to Chris Kirchner in The Athletic on Tuesday. Um, some frustrations about the defense and uh, the mentality of the team. I definitely rec- recommend it as a read. I'm not going to go through it now. It's behind a paywall. But I thought Clint was pretty candid uh, in a way that can be you know, upsetting if you don't love, love what he says. But he's kind of earned that as a veteran who obviously had some success in Houston before he even came over here and has been the anchor of the defense. So he's, of all the players on the team, he's kind of the only, maybe one of the two or three guys that might get away with calling guys out on defense because he has been good on defense since he arrived from Houston. So interesting comments there from him. But I'll just say as, as far as this night's concerned, I thought he played decently well. It wasn't an A-plus game for Capella, but it was totally fine. And they closed with him, and rightly so, for his defense. Um, the rest of this was very, very positive. So we'll go to Hunter now. 118 points, only two rebounds, and no assists, um, but no turnovers as well. Five of six on twos. Two of six on threes, which is not fantastic, which is not too bad either. Plus three. Uh, defensively had some moments. I think it was good to see him. I think he only took maybe two uh, mid-rangers. It was mostly getting the rim and being uh, sort of aggressive on that, taking some open threes as well. That's totally fine. Defensively, it was hit and miss by his standards. And I think uh, matchup-wise, uh, if all he had to do in this game was was defend Darius Garland, it would have probably been better for the Hawks. But when you're having to ask him play uh, him to play three and four and play a ton of minutes, etc., 
I totally understand that. So I thought it was a it was a pretty good Hunter game overall. Actually, he'd been struggling the last couple of weeks. I thought he played well in this game overall. And from there, we'll get into Gallinari, who had a season-high 25 points in 33 minutes for Gallo. He was very efficient and very effective, taking advantage of mismatches, shooting the ball well. 8 of 17 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3. Um, also, 6 of 6 at the free throw line, as he is uh, wont to do. Had a steal. Defensively, not the best, but honestly gave them a ton of value on offense in this game. The season-high speaks for itself, but just the fact that he had to be guarded. Um, him and Kevin Love going at it was kind of a, a throwback in some respects. Those guys uh, obviously used to be bigger stars, or at least close to stars in, Gall- in Gallo's case, but kind of a throwback atmosphere there with those two guys doing battle. But I thought Gallo was really good on offense. He hurts the defense for sure, and I, it didn't bother me that they went away from him a little bit in the fourth quarter, but he gave him a ton of juice, and uh, in addition to Trey, he did uh, a lot of heavy lifting in the first half in particular. And then we'll talk about Trey now, who was brilliant in this game. 41 points, 9 assists, um, 13 of 22 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3, so 9 of 15 from 2. That's excellent. 11 of 13 from the free throw line. He had his uh, his foul drawing game going in this spot and to the frustration of Cleveland, but also that's just part of his charm, and that's why, it's, that's why he's so good at doing that. So 41 points on like 28 shooting possessions, 27 shooting possessions is uh, excellent efficiency. Uh, defensively, he competed. Uh, I don't think he was fantastic. He's, you're asking him to guard guys who are so much bigger than he is, uh, whether it be Dean Wade or Isaac Cora, whoever. But I thought Trey was really good. And uh, especially, you know, early in Austin, he had a cooking. He had 38 through 3. Uh, sorry, 35 through 3. But still, he just was uh, brilliant in this game. That's the word I used before. I'll use it again now. He was a superstar, as he often is. And that was the reason why the Hawks won this game, was because of the offense, and he was the biggest, he was the biggest part of that. So we'll go from there. Uh, to the standings quickly here uh, on this Tuesday evening. I believe all the Easter Conference games are over as I record this, and yes, they are. Um, the Hawks in the standings, of course, got, got the win here. That doesn't change too, too much, but the Hawks are now back in solo possession of 10th, a half game ahead of the Wizards. They are one behind the Hornets for 8th, sorry, for ninth. They are three behind the Nets for 8th. They are four and a half behind the Raptors for the 7th spot, and they are still six behind the Celtics for six overall, which is a tough, tough task. Um, if you're still holding out hope for, uh, for the Hawks avoiding the play-in, it's uh, getting late early, let's just say. But because the Celtics just never lose. They've won, they've won nine games in a row. They beat the uh, something out of the Raptors. Uh, sorry, out of, out of the Sixers on this evening. They uh, were up by 50-plus, like and they won by 58 points? No, 48 points in this game. That's a, that's a thrashing, let's just say over the Sixers on the road. Uh, so Boston's red hot. Anyway, the Hawks did get a win that they had to get, but as we, as we end the podcast, I will just say this. They can give it all back with a loss on Wednesday if they don't play well. So it's back-to-back for Atlanta. It's their final game for the All-Star break. Uh, players will be envisioning Cancun in their minds as they go to Orlando. It's a 7 o'clock tip-off, an early, early kind of start there. Um, the Magic did not play tonight, so that's an advantage for the Magic as well. Of course, all that said, Orlando's not very good. They're 13 and 46 this year. They are one of the five worst teams in the league by uh, a clear margin, let's just say. Um, but again, it's a tough spot. It's a schedule spot that is a challenge for Atlanta. They are still, you know, solidly better than the Magic. The Hawks will be favored as long as they have their uh, reasonable roster available with injuries and stuff like that. You, we won't have the injury report until Wednesday afternoon on the back-to-back. But as long as, like, Trey and the normal core guys are available, the Hawks will be favored, and they should win. Um, the Hawks are 2-1 and one against Orlando this year. This is actually the fourth matchup already against the Magic and the final one for the season. So they can win the season series against Orlando with this with, with this game if they, if they play well and win. But I want to stress, 
I, I'm sure if you're on the outside looking in, uh, you will say, you know, the Hawks have to win this game. And they, and they do, to be fair. Um, but it's not a small thing to have to do this back-to-back when Orlando's not traveling, uh, not uh, having a back-to-back, and they have a home game. So I think the line and the point spread at Online will be a little bit more narrow than you might think for this one. But even with all that out of the way, the Hawks need to win in Orlando. Nothing is a must-win. I never say that, but it would be a very, very frustrating loss to give back the, the gains that were made with this win over, over Cleveland if they lose in Orlando on Wednesday. So we'll have full coverage of that game, as we always do on the podcast. That'll be the final one for the All-Star break, and the Hawks don't play again for more than a week. So they'll have an appropriate rest. Uh, I believe Trey Young is the only person in the organization that is involved, other than Dominique Wilkins, <laughs> in All-Star weekend. So um, guys will be, re- be able to sort of refresh and then come, come back early next week to uh, get back on the floor. But we'll have all kinds of coverage on that. And then I'll probably have a couple of days off after after uh, Thursday's game before we get, sorry, Wednesday's game before I get into the weekend, et cetera. So anyway, that's a lot of coverage from this game. But as a final thought, a nice, nice, nice win for the Hawks that they kind of really needed, to be honest with you. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show as well. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those places. And we'll see you after the game on Wednesday night.